Good evening. Thank you for joining us for worship this evening. You've heard Psalm 51, verse 10, especially raised in your hearing this evening. And so I want to tag as a topic to this message, Lord, we are in need of a heart transplant. This is a moment of transparency for me. You see, when I wrote this sermon, I sat in a critical care unit here in the city of Richmond with my 29-year-old nephew who is in need of a heart transplant. We don't know what exactly caused his heart failure, but what we do know is that a young, viral, athletic man is now in need of a heart transplant. We're not sure if it was genetics or a virus or exactly what happened, but we, what we do realize is that without notice, not physical notice or warnings that we could see from the outside, my nephew is now in need of a heart transplant and it's critical. Why am I sharing this with you? Not for any sympathy or for anything towards me. Now, I don't mind if you pray for him, but what I am saying is that it is ever so slight the signals and the warning signs that we would totally disregard. And when we know anything, we're in complete heart failure. All of us have had something in our life that has caused us to lose hope, to, to kind of figure where is God, what is going on, and maybe you haven't, but I have. And so this is my confession. I have. And God reminds me every time there's hope, I'm still in control, and I'm still large and in charge. We don't have to stay in the place that we're stuck in. There's an open invitation from God where we can go to him in prayer, but instead we go to everything or whatever that thing is that anesthetizes your pain, whatever numbs the hurt for you is what we'd rather go to instead of the one who is able to change our situation. And when we can't, don't, or won't hear from God, God knows how to send a messenger to get his message across so that you will know the, the critical state of where you are. God sent Nathan for Dan, David. And Nathan had to tell him that he was the man that he was talking about when he talked about someone who had been outside of a marriage with somebody else's wife, had the man murdered, and now he had to face some consequences. No, that's not my nephew's story. It's not many of our stories, but we are living in a time where our hearts need to be checked. The Psalm read in your hearing is a penitential song. That means that David repented for what he had done. And we would, could all use the art of confessing our sins before God and offering up to him whatever it is that is holding us back. When I began to meditate on the scripture, I began to ask God, um, what is it you want me to say? And then I started to feel some things and I wanted to run, but I was in the hospital. And so I said, God, what is this that you want me to see? And I was trying to run because it was mainly causing me to look at my own places of a diseased heart. I couldn't stop at last week when I started to think about what it was that was causing my heart to be damaged because last week I might've done some things right. I had to look back to childhood. I had to look at my, my 
childhood, not just chronologically or, but, or spiritually. I had to look at it overall to see what in my life has, has caused my heart to be so out of alignment for what God wants for me. And so I asked God, what is it you would have me to say to your people? His, was, his response was, in order to keep from spinning your wheels in the same place, in order to keep from being 40, 50, 60 years old, making teenage decisions, in order to keep from having to go around the same mountain over and over again, you must have a change of heart. In other words, don't become the ch children of Israel and take 40 years to make an 11-day trip. You have got to change your heart. A damaged heart because of our pain, weariness, stubbornness, and bitterness will cause us to make poor decision. And God wants us to know that in order to live life to its fullest, we've got to seek a clean heart and a renewed spirit. The songwriter says, Create in me a clean heart so I may serve thee. Lord, fix my heart so that I might be used by thee. And so I realized that what God was saying to me, I, I had to deal with my own stuff. So I say, okay, how does this scripture relate to heart and spirit? What would you like them to know about your heart? God said, not my heart, Lisa, yours. Well, that brought a whole new light on the subject because we can often see what's wrong with everybody else. But it becomes a serious issue when you have to deal with your own mess, when you have to look at your own diseased heart. And so I had to go through my own spiritual echocardiogram before I could minister this, this message. And when I started, it was a mess. Well, I knew that Jeremiah 17 said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know or understand it? The word says that only God knows the condition of our heart. And he will search and examine the heart and mind to reward us according to our conduct. So let's get ready for our transplant and our mind renewal so that we'll be able to take on the things that God is calling us to do. Now, and I do remember that God said for me to deal with my own heart issues. So I looked at how my life compared to David. David fought a giant. And you might say, Lisa, you haven't fought any giants. Well, I fight giants daily. We fight the giants of racism. We fight the giants of, of oppression. We fight the giant of poverty. We fight the giants of, of backbiting. We, we fight many giants. We just don't call them giants, but that's exactly what they are. I also had to bury my infant son, just like David did, but I'm also a worshiper. So I had some things in common with David, but I wasn't sure until I dug deeper. And when I really started to dig, I had to look at what had caused this damaged heart. Was it genetics or generational habits? Was it living an unhealthy or unholy life? Were my unresolved childhood issues now affecting my adult decisions? Was, my, was the fact that my son and mother being buried a month apart causing me to have heart failure? Was it a divorce right behind those two things? And then my father having a massive stroke the year after that, I had to do some real soul searching. I started to see that my lack of trust in people had now begun to spill over into my lack of trust in God. I was faced with how my controlling spirit was keeping people in my life from fully becoming who God had called them to be because I was too busy trying to make them be who I thought they should be. Unforgiveness was looking me straight in my face and my tongue was deadly. And so I had some stuff going on, y'all. I had some hard stuff. 
So I took comfort in knowing that because God had healed me of many other things, God could, could heal me of this one also. Iyala Van Zant says, you can't have a breakthrough until you first have a breakdown. Did you realize that your breakthrough starts when you come face to face with the very thing that you've desperately been trying to put off? You know, that thing that you thought was going to cause you to lose your mind, the thing or perhaps the person who has actually been causing you to remain stuck, stuck in your dysfunction. It's not until we honestly deal with the things in our, that our defenses begin to break down that our breakthrough can begin. And so I knew it was going to take a new heart. So I went to the master physician and this is where I found out that the same things work in the spirit realm the same way they work in the physical realm. I knew that I was functioning below kingdom capacity. If we were going to look at some, I had to look at some of my habits. And so I knew that in the spirit, I needed the heart of God to be transposed into my life in order for my decision making to be changed. This is a powerful organ that God has placed inside of us. It's the center of our being. And if you don't remember anything else I say this evening, please remember this. By pumping the blood through an intricate system of blood vessels, the heart is responsible for bringing life-giving oxygen to every cell in the body. Catch me in the spirit. I'll repeat that. The heart, by pumping blood through an intricate system of blood vessels, we're the vessels, we're the believers. It is the heart of God that is responsible for bringing life-giving oxygen, the breath of God, to every cell in the body of Christ. We all know it can't just be any blood. Only the blood of Jesus will do. So let's look back at Psalm 51 and see what happened with David. David began with a plea to God. He acknowledges his sin to God. He recognizes that he has grieved God's heart. He petitions God's loving kindness. He seeks forgiveness and then promises to help others not to make the same mistakes he's made. David doesn't try to skirt around what he's done. He says, God, what I did was jacked up. I know I've hurt you. My sins are staring me down, but can you please help a brother out? David acknowledged the wrong he had done and, had and was causing his heart to be diseased. David acknowledges it and he wants us to know, he asked God, will you take this damaged heart of mine and clean it up and renew the spirit within me? And not only did God do that for David, he'll do the same thing for you and me too. He will also do the same thing for this country. When President-elect Joe Biden made the slogan, fighting for the soul of America, he recognized that our country has heart disease and confessing our sins of this nation is going to be the first step in the healing. We must all face the consequences of our wrong. And so God is willing to do the same thing for us that he did for David. Bruce Wilkerson, a well-known pastor, tells a story of when he was a junior in high school. He went to his grandmother's house one summer for summer vacation and he drove a stake 15 feet away from the sea. And so there's a 15 week, 15 feet space between the sea and the edge of where he was. The next summer he went back and there were only 12 feet. 
between the stake and the sea. What am I saying? I'm saying that we can get heart disease ever so slowly and it erodes the very character of us. And so I'm going to invite you to do three things, the same thing that David did, so that your heart does not erode like many of ours already have. David asked God by praying. The first thing he did was to pray. He made a request to God to, cre God to create in him a clean heart. But tonight we're asking God to remove the old and create a new we all know that a transplant is extremely serious and we have to be in the right posture or the, uh, the heart for to receive the heart or the body will reject it. And so we have to get our mind straight when we are asking God to give us a new heart. Your state of mind is very important. During a transplant, the surgeon has to sever the nerves that run from the brain to the heart and the recipient is con connected to a heart lung machine. I would dare say that this is where David's request for God to renew his spirit would come in. We have to think straight. And so there, I thank God for his balm in Gilead. After David played for a clean heart and a new spirit, he asked God for restoration. He asked him not to cast him away. And then he made a promise. He promised to teach sinners the ways of God. When we've been cleansed and restored, we have an obligation to go back and get somebody else out of the things we've been delivered from. We must pray, we must promise, and finally, we must praise. David offered God a praise when he said that he would sing aloud of God's righteousness and his mouth would show forth his praise. We must do the same thing because God inhabits the praises of his people. We must confess our sins. We must ask for forgiveness. We must promise to get others out of those spaces that we've been in. And then we have to give God a radical praise. Pastor Dutch Sheets tells the story of when his brother was doing research on an open heart surgery. There was a woman this particular day having the procedure done. The doctors had completed the operation. They placed her heart back into her chest cavity, reconnected the nerves and stopped the heart lung machine. Generally when this happens, the patient's heart begins to function on its own. They did every medical thing they knew to do to get this woman's heart to beat, and it wouldn't. As a last result, the surgeon leaned over and whispered into her ear, tell your heart to beat again. And immediately, miraculously, her heart started to beat. This evening, God is inviting us that same opportunity. We don't have to live in a country divided. We don't have to live as a community divided. We don't have to live as people divided. Richmond Hill, I invite you to tell your heart to beat again. Open your heart today and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Nothing short of a transformation from the inside out will do. Renew the way you're thinking. God longs to change us into the likeness of the Savior. The question today is, are you ready for your transplant? Are you willing to give up your old for the new? Lord, please help us. We're really in need of a heart transplant.